uh, join me in prayer. Father God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for the opportunity to be again uh, gathered together to sing in worship to you, to um, hear the teaching and uh, the proclamation of your word. And I just pray, God, that it would be encouraging, that it would be inspiring, that it would be even convicting where it needs to be, Father. And I pray that your spirit would have liberty to move and to uh, work and to um, and just really soften us to make us more like uh, Jesus Christ. And um, I just give you this time now, and I pray that you would bless it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, it's great to have you with us this morning. And um, we are going to be starting a two-week series today um, focused on the power of vision. And that's going to be uh, what we're going to be talking about over the next two weeks. And you know, last Sunday was Easter Sunday. It's always a great time of the year for us as, as a church to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we did just that. We celebrated the resurrection of Christ. And we saw over 335 people in attendance last Sunday, which was truly incredible. And uh, I just wanted to start out by thanking the volunteers that, that served last weekend. Uh, we could not have done it without you. And it was just really, really a powerful day. We also launched a community presence last Sunday called Love This Town. And uh, the plan for this um, community presence launch is to have a meaningful presence at all the big and maybe even some of the small events um, in our community. And it means that when snowdown comes, we, we're going to do our best to have a float in the parade. Or, you know, when the fair rolls around, uh, we're going to have a car in the demolition derby. All right, wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be fun. When the Iron Horse uh, Bicycle Classic is happening, we're, we're, you know, we're handing out water, we're setting up barricades. When the San Juan Brew Fest happens, okay? All right, I'm going to see if any eyebrow, eye, eyebrows raise. We're there with an army of designated drivers. You know, some, some events will, will simply give us a broom and have us clean up the mess. Other events... Uh, will give us an opportunity to, to set up a canopy and, and maybe raise money for South Africa. Some will push us to be creative in, in what a meaningful presence even looks like. But at the very least, we'll be there. At the very least, we'll be there with our community. We will be there with our neighbors. We'll be enjoying the event, and we'll be loving our town. And so... Uh, you know, we believe being at these events is going to be a great first step towards knowing, towards loving our community, and uh, it's going to be a simple step towards becoming a church that is truly going out. We don't want our vision to just be a saying. We want to truly go out. And uh, by the way, if you didn't sign up last Sunday, um, you need to do that today. You need to sign up for Love This Town, and uh, you can do so after the service at the Welcome Center, and uh, you can also go to Love This Town. I'm sorry, love this dot town, okay? Love this dot town. You can get more information there. But today we're talking about the power of vision. And so uh, I just want to pray one more time. I just uh, need to do so. Father, thank you again for this time. I pray that, Lord, you would just get me out of the way. Lord, that people coming in with maybe stresses or burdens from the week, Lord, I pray that they would be able to set those aside for just a few moments as we talk about the importance and the power of vision, and I pray that you would speak clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1774, 
a leader named John Adams declared, Someday I see a union of 13 states, a new nation, independent from the parliament and the king of England. Someday. It was the first time that idea had been publicly expressed. And just a few years later, against all odds, a new nation was born. The United States of America. In 1789, an Englishman named William Wilberforce stood before the British Parliament and he yearned for the day when slaves would no longer be bought and sold like cattle. Twenty years later, slave trade was officially abolished. In 1907, an energetic businessman named Henry Ford stood before a shabby group of employees and said, we're going to make automobile transportation affordable for the average American family. Everyone laughed. But 15 years later, millions of Ford Model T automobiles were built and sold at a cost of $289. In the late 1800s, the Wright brothers said, we believe someday people are going to fly. Ten years later, on December 17, 1903, the Kitty Hawk lifted off the sandy beach of North Carolina. In the 1940s, Billy Graham and a few college buddies got together and they dreamed of filling stadiums all over the world and presenting the gospel to people who were far from God. And as of this year, over 215 million people in over 185 countries have heard the Reverend Billy Graham preach live, in person, the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. Millions more have heard him share the gospel through television and radio and webcasts. In 1963, Martin Luther King stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and said, I have a dream. A dream of a time when people will no longer be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. 35 years later, racial barriers continue to fall. On a more personal note, in 1955, Bob Ross put his faith in Jesus Christ. And he gave his life to be a pastor. He wanted to pastor a church that was biblical. He wanted to pastor a church that was a biblically functioning community of faith that would be relevant to this age. That would reach lost people with the gospel of Christ. That would involve those people into the body of Christ and equip them and, and empower them. A church that would help to care for the poor. And he wanted to pastor a church where he could invite people into community with one another. He dreamed of a church that would glorify God in everything. 61 years later, he's still praying, he's still striving, and he's still believing that dream 
will become a reality. It's not an exaggeration, church. It's not an exaggeration to say that you are in this room today because of his commitment to that vision and his commitment to that dream. What what did all those leaders have in common that I just mentioned? They had vision. They had vision. That's what we're talking about today is the power of vision. And you may be wondering, why, why do we need to talk about vision? You know, there have been many times that I've stood in this very place and I would speak the vision of where we were headed as a church and I would do so with all the energy and all the passion that, that I could muster. And I would back it up with scriptures and I would try to show some powerful visuals and maybe a few videos here and there. And hopefully, it would encourage people to want to be a part of the vision. But what I would find is like three weeks later, people would say, what vision? <laughs> like, uh, I, I completely forgot what you even talked about three weeks ago. I, I would get so frustrated by that. Because I thought it was presented really well. And I thought, that that vision would last forever because it was that important to me. You know, one thing that I've come to realize is that people actually live real lives between Sundays. You go to work, you, you raise kids, you pay your bills, you make repairs on your cars and on your homes. And while all that normal life is going on, Vision has a tendency to leak out of you. You're you're not doing anything wrong. It just happens to, to escape. Vision escapes out of people because of the everyday pressures, simply because they're living life. The busyness of life causes us to forget what we're striving for or where we're going. And I've had to learn often through hard knocks, my skull is pretty thick, that vision doesn't last forever. People have to be reminded of vision and they have to be reminded often. And it doesn't mean that it's not being communicated well. It doesn't mean that the vision isn't spot on. It just means that people are normal. And vision has a tendency to escape. And we have to keep the vision in front of you as a church. Fathers, you have to keep the vision of where your family's headed. And your husbands, you have to keep the vision in front of your marriage. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? What do you want to do? We have to keep the vision in front of the church more often to make sure we don't lose sight of where we're going to make sure that we're unified and we're all going in the same direction. And by God's grace, that direction is towards Jesus Christ. So over the next two weeks, I intend to do just that, to make sure we don't lose sight of where we're going. So today I want to focus on the importance of vision. And then next Sunday, I'm going to do my best to help us see where we're headed as a church. So without clear vision, church, without 
seeing the invisible, because that's what vision is, that's being able to see what isn't even realized yet, without a clear vision, odds are that you'll get to the end of your life and you'll wonder. You'll you'll wonder, what, what could I have done? What should I have done? And like so many, you may wonder if your life even mattered at all. Vision gives significance to the details of your life. Let's face it, much of what we do doesn't seem to matter much when we look at, look at it apart from some larger context or greater purpose. But take the mundane, okay? Take the mundane, even of this very day, and you put it into a bucket, a God-ordained vision bucket, And you mix those two things together. You mix the mundane of this life and you mix it with a God-ordained vision. You stir them around, shake them up, you mix them together. And suddenly, you have purpose. You have meaning. And suddenly, you have adrenaline pumping through your veins. This morning, I want to... I want to talk about four ways that vision breathes fire into your everyday life. And the first thing is vision awakens emotion. Okay, there is no such thing as unemotional vision. Vision brings with it strong emotions. It brings with it passion. And passion is that thing within a person that pushes them to take action. You know, when the, uh, when the International Red Cross was formed, it was considered the supreme humanitarian achievement of the 19th century. When smallpox was eliminated, we talked about smallpox last Sunday. When smallpox was eliminated, it was considered the single greatest achievement of the 20th century. What will be the greatest humanitarian achievement of this century? What challenges will the next nine decades bring? I don't know. But I know one thing for sure. The next great achievement, the next great humanitarian effort, the next great Ministry will be led by responsible leaders who can harness their passion and see their vision through to the very end. The clearer the vision, the stronger the emotions that come with it. Emotions reinforce the commitment to a vision. Passion. That powerful emotion that that helps to make vision reality. Without passion, if there is no passion, leaders are simply daydreamers. They're full of big ideas that will never be realized. They'll never see it to the end. It, It will never come to pass. They're just daydreaming. The second thing that vision provides is motivation. In Romans 12, verses 11 and 12, Paul says, 
Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. A clear vision brings passion, and passion brings with it motivation. With motivation, every single day begins to matter. The details, the chores, the routines of life become a necessary part of the big picture. People with vision are a motivated people. Show me a man or a woman who lacks motivation, and I'll show you someone with little or no motivation. Ideas? Yes. Dreams? Maybe. Vision? Not a chance. Not a chance. You see, God gives people strong visions for their future, but you know, far too often they don't take those visions seriously. They don't act on those visions. And they'll say, well, you know, I kind of see it. I guess I'll go for it, you know. I'll give it my best shot. You know, maybe it will happen, maybe not. Let me, let me just give you, I don't know, this is the best example I could think of. If you were to say, I'd like to lose weight, but I don't have time. I'd like to lose weight, maybe, kind of, sort of. I, I guess I'll, I'll, I guess I'll do my best to lose weight. You're not going to lose weight, okay? Can I, just, can I just make that clear? If you approach it with that mindset, with that attitude, with that kind of enthusiasm, it's not going to happen. But if you're passionate about your goal to lose weight, and you have a vision about playing with your grandkids, and you want to be healthy enough to run around with them, and all of a sudden that passion leads to motivation... You're going to lose some weight. It's going to happen now. Unfortunately, it's so easy for us to lose motivation. We lose motivation to be a godly husband. We lose motivation to be a godly father. We lose motivation to go to work. We lose motivation to pastor a church. How do you keep motivated for the vision in your life? And let me just say, church, it takes a lot more than positive thinking. Our will is not strong enough. Our will, in and of ourselves, we don't have the strength. It takes God in your life to stay motivated to the very end for the vision God has given you. Motivation actually comes from God. The word enthusiasm comes from two Greek words. The word in, E-N, which means to be in, and the word theos, which is Greek for God. To be enthusiastic means to be in God. When you're in God, church, you have genuine enthusiasm deep in your heart, deep 
in your soul. And once again, the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, 11 and 12, he said, never be lacking in zeal or enthusiasm or in passion, but keep your spiritual fervor. How do we keep that fervor? How do we keep that enthusiasm? By abiding in God, by being in God, by being, by being, by being with God, by serving the Lord. And then the the Apostle Paul says in verse 12, be joyful in hope. Even when things go wrong, church, put your hope in God. He says, patient in affliction. Okay, you, you can be patient in affliction because you know God will use what you're going through for good. And then he says, faithful in prayer. When tough times come, you can either pray or you can panic. You can either be on your knees giving it to God or you can choose the alternative and you can just give up. And church, can I just encourage you? Don't give up. Don't give up. Thirdly, Vision brings clarity to your life. Crystal clear vision helps you to to sort through all the clutter that life can bring. Vision serves as a map for your life. It's a guide for your life. It brings what's most important to the surface of your schedule, to the surface of your lifestyle. With the clear vision, you can weed out those things in your life that stand in the way of achieving what matters most. Vision empowers you to move forward with great focus. It it empowers you to move forward with a great focus in a predetermined direction. You know where you're going. With no vision, good things will keep you from great things. Good things can actually become a distraction to God things. But how do you know? How do you know? We make so many choices on a daily basis. How do you know? How can you tell the difference between good things and God things? And may I just simply suggest that you start by asking God. James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, I need wisdom. You need wisdom. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. I love that. Oh, I love that. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. God wants you to ask Him. He's inviting you to ask Him. He wants you to be specific. He's waiting for you to ask. And I can't stress enough the importance of being with God, being in God, abiding in His presence. Abiding in Christ will clarify your vision like nothing else could. An unclear vision, church, is like having a broken compass. You're going to be directionless. You're going to be tossed, like the Scripture says, like the the wind's just going to toss you around, the waves are going to toss you around, you will have no direction. 
And lastly, you know what vision does? You know why vision is so powerful? Because vision gives you a reason to get up in the morning. You know, because of that vision that God has given you, if you don't show up, something very important won't be accomplished. Suddenly, you matter. You're needed. You have great value. You matter a lot. Without you, what could be, what should be, won't be. If you don't show up. Having a vision is like a fingerprint. It's it's unique to you. And this uniqueness gives your life great purpose. It gives your life great meaning. You have a reason to get up. You have a reason to show up. Many of you say, you know, man, that sounds good and all. It sounds good. You know, but honestly, Justin, it kind of sounds like a kind of sounds like a self-help book, you know? You know, we've all we've all probably read something about the importance of vision and we've all read stuff about setting goals and believing, you know, those goals can be realized. But you know, here's where I part ways with the secular self-help movement of our day. Here's where we go in completely two different directions. Yes, people have the right to dream dreams. People have the right to develop their own vision or their own picture of what his or her future could and should be. But at the cross, those of us who have sworn allegiance to the Savior we lost that right. After all, we're not our own. We have been bought with a price, and it was a high price. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, don't you realize, church, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Honoring God involves opening up your eyes to God's vision for your life. It's no longer just me and what I want to do and where I want to go and who I want to be. Now I have to surrender those dreams, those hopes, those desires... And I take him to the foot of the cross. I take him to the feet of Jesus and I say, is this okay with you? And man, this is the most difficult thing for us as human beings to do because those are my dreams. That's what I want to do. This is where I want to go. But what if, church, just what if God says, I want you to go somewhere different. I want you to do something different. I actually have a different idea. You want to hear my idea? What if God says that? Now we're at this crossroad. I can do what I want to do and give God the middle finger or I can surrender to His will 
and I can give my flesh the middle finger. simple. It's a crossroad. Glorifying God involves discovering His purposes. Glorifying God means that we align our hopes and our dreams to the heart of God. And until we discover and carry out His purposes for our life, listen to this church, I have to say this again, until we discover and carry out His purposes for our life, there will, there will always be a void, a gap, or a hole in your soul. Something will always be amiss. Something will always just not be quite right until you align up with God and say, alright, I surrender. That's why we sang that song this morning. I surrender all. I surrender all. Because that's the truth of the matter. You have to surrender. You have to surrender it all to Christ for it to work. With that in mind, let's rethink the implications of a familiar verse found in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. The Apostle Paul said, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Don't let this slip by, church, okay? You are God's masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. Okay? You are God's masterpiece. You know what that means? It means that you are the result of God's vision. You are the outcome of something God envisioned but His vision for you is incomplete. It's not finished yet. You have a part to play. Paul said, we have been envisioned, we have been crafted for a particular purpose. And that purpose is to do good works, which God envisioned us doing before the foundations of the world. He envisioned us doing good works works. God has a vision for your life. I, I personally, I can't get over the fact that the God of the universe, the God of the universe has something in mind for me to do. He has something in mind for you to do. Like, doesn't he have other things to think about? Doesn't he have a universe to run? But yet, he has a plan for me. But the Apostle Paul assures us that God has prepared something specific for you, something specific for me, something specific for us to do. You know, the world, the world offers a mountain of options when it comes to visions to chase after. I mean, they come a dime a dozen. But you were carefully crafted. You were created. And then you were made new through faith in Christ Jesus for a divine vision. For a divine purpose. God's vision for you and God's vision for your life allows your life 
to have an eternal impact. What you do matters on the other side, church. You know, as I bring this talk to a close, I want to share a story with you that produces passion in me, and it helps me to keep doing what I'm doing. I have to be honest with you, church. I have to be reminded often. My flesh is so weak. My flesh is so wicked. There's so many times I just want to say, I'm out, you know, I'm done. And I have to remind myself, no, man, fight the good fight. Hang in there. Don't quit. And it's stories like this that encourage me. A few years ago, a mother who was in her middle to maybe late 50s, she called and she asked to meet with me here at the church. She came by the church, and I sat down with her, and she had some questions about God. She had some questions about her faith. And she was just, she said, can you just clarify some of these questions? I'm not expecting you to have all the answers, but can you just help me to kind of sort this stuff out? And after talking with her briefly about the love of God, she stopped me, like right in the middle of, this great presentation, you know, of the gospel. And she said, I don't have any more questions. I'm like, man, I'm good, you know. But she went on to say, she said, I have seen the love of God in my children. My children come to grace. They're all grown, they're married, and they have children of their own now. But I have to be honest with you, Pastor. It's because of their faith that I'm even sitting here today. I want to give my life to Jesus because of the change that I've seen in their lives. I want, this is what she said, I want what they've got. So I asked her if she believed, do you believe the story of God? Do you believe that Jesus came to earth, that he died, and that he rose again? And she co confirmed her faith and her belief in the gospel. And in that moment, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. Church, experiencing stories like that, seeing people who were far from God come to faith in God? It's like, it's like rocket fuel for my spirit. It just, it, I seriously feel like I'm going to catch on fire. I will gladly give what's left of the rest of my life to see and to experience more of that. Can I just say, find God's vision for your life. See it. Feel it deeply. Take responsibility for it. Invite other people into it. And then go after it with all of your heart, with all of your might, with all of your strength. And then can I say, church, stay faithful all the way to the very end. Stay faithful to it. See it become reality. How cool would that be if we, this group of people in this little room, 
go out and we start living out the vision that God has for us and we live it out to the very end and we see those visions become reality. Twelve guys did it. Twelve guys. Well, actually one who went and hung himself. Eleven guys. Eleven guys did it. And they turned the world upside down. They changed the world. And once again, I, I want to invite you after the service, when we dismiss and you walk out, there's going to be a room on the right-hand side. There's going to be some people in there that are ready to pray for you and to encourage you. You might say, why are we doing this? Because it's actually one of the most important things that we do on a given Sunday is to pray for people and to encourage people. And the Scripture says, if any among you is sick, if any among you is struggling, is hurting, man, let them come to the elders. Let them come to the leaders of the church. And that's part of our job is to pray for you, to pray over you. And we want to do that. We want to be a biblical church. We want to encourage you. Man, because sometimes when God has given you a vision, and it's all fun and exciting maybe for a while, but there are some difficult seasons that come. And sometimes it's hard to stay in the fight. And you know what? Many times what's, what's kept me in the fight has been your prayers for me. And so I want to return the favor. I want to pray for you, and I want to encourage you. And we're going to have some leaders in that room after the service ready to pray for you and ready to encourage you. It's one of the most important things, church, that we can do for you is to pray for you and to encourage you. I'm going to invite the band, if they would, come up this morning. And uh, they're going to lead us in a song. And the name of the song is Speak to Me. And I pray that man, through this message, through this song, I pray that God truly does speak to you. And I pray that he makes the vision for your life crystal clear so that you can go full steam ahead at what he intends you to be, what he intends you to do, where he intends you to go. I'm going to close in prayer this morning. Father God, thank you for the importance of vision. What would our church be without it? What would your people do if they if they didn't have direction, if they didn't have passion or motivation, if they didn't have hope. Father God, renew our visions today. I pray that you would clarify our visions. I pray that you would open up our hearts so that we feel them more deeply. And give us the courage, Father. Give us the courage to carry out those visions. Give us the boldness to share those visions. And may we be faithful to carry them out to our dying day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would all please stand and uh, let's sing the song together and worship to God.